Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome back into another weekly edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we are coming off of the Thanksgiving holiday. Bonnie, how was your turkey day? You know what? It was so good. Um, You know, as everyone knows, first Thanksgiving without my mother. So it was a little bit bittersweet. Um, But I have several different friends that rallied around me and my sister so we actually had three different thanksgivings we went to one at 11 one at one o'clock and then we went to one at like six o'clock so we we were eating pretty much the entire day so it was it was pretty excellent so you're telling me stretchy pants and oversized sweaters oh my gosh yes fantastic um my thanksgiving was you know also bittersweet my father passed away four years ago and so, you know, this is the f- uh, fifth Thanksgiving in my mom's house that my mom and dad bought. And so it was just, you know, bittersweet seeing the pictures of, you know, my dad cooking the first year they were in the house. But uh, great to have family around. Great to have friends in the area. Uh, apparently, you probably ate more than I did. Um, even though we had a very large party, I I kind of take it easy on Thanksgiving. I, I know it's okay to go overboard in terms of eating, but... Uh, it's been, for me, one of those holidays where I just kind of take it easy because I know that the leftovers will be the real reason that I eat more than I should. See, and that's the one thing I regret is I don't have any leftovers because none of them were my Thanksgiving. So I'm a little bummed about that. And that's why I went ahead and I just ate and ate and ate all day. So sure. I felt like I was a bear about to hibernate the uh, way I was eating. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I totally understand that. Uh, and, you know, with snow on the way and winter storms, it's OK if you want to become a bear. I think so. All right, now here's your random question of the day. What type of bear would you like to be? Oh, you know what? I'm going to say panda bear. I don't know if they hibernate, though, but they're so cute. They are. I actually saw a random Facebook video of a uh, lady over in China who is a zookeeper trying to take care of them, and these panda cubs would not leave her alone. They were constantly getting into stuff, and it was just one of those things where you just watch and you just couldn't help but laugh because, man, these things are inquisitive. Uh, but that's a good choice. I like panda bear. If I had to be a bear, maybe a either a grizzly or a polar bear. Ooh, go polar bear. Right. You know, you live in the polar regions, and you get to camouflage in with the snow. And you also get well, to slide across the snow. Bears. You need yeah. one more. So. <laughs> exactly. Plus, you know, you, you become famous. So it's exactly. not too bad. All right, but we digress. Um, what was the Thanksgiving weather like for you in Oklahoma City? You know, for the past week, it's been just cool in the mornings and then pleasant in the afternoon. Sunny skies, little breezy, highs in the 50s. That's how we've been for the past, like, week. So it's been nice. That's how it is right now. Um, Thanksgiving night, though, it did get pretty windy. The wind picked up. I think a small front was coming through. So, I mean, but other than that, it's been nice. Thanksgiving was nice. That is really nice. Uh, Up here in Oregon, it was rainy for most of the day. Um, Nothing too, you know, heavy or serious like that. A couple disturbances coming in off of the Pacific Ocean. Very typical fall-like weather. And it was great to have a Thanksgiving where everything 
um, just kind of lined up where, you know, it actually felt like Thanksgiving because there have been years in the past where it's been, you know, 75 and sunny or, you know, mm-hmm. like 31 degrees and a very cold rain or just a little bit of snow. So it was nice to have kind of like that actual felt like Thanksgiving weather. Um, and it's continued, you know, that's where we're still at today. Uh, it's super foggy outside. So it's one of those things where, you know, you definitely can tell it's the fall. Yeah. Yeah, definitely here too. And this is like one of the few Thanksgivings over the past several years that have been nice. A couple years ago, we had a pretty serious ice storm begin Thanksgiving night. And, you know, we all got like an inch of ice on everything. Power was out. And then that same year, we had another one around Christmas time. So that was a pretty eventful year. That was two or three years ago. You know, and most Thanksgivings are chilly or rainy or snowy. So to have a decent one like this, it was nice. Right. We haven't, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain here. And, you know, I don't think I've ever had a white Thanksgiving in terms of, you know, snow falling or snow on the ground. I've had a couple white Christmases. Um, But, you know, I think it's one of those things where we're just climate wise, just a little bit too warm to have any of that. Um, if I go up in the mountains or go into eastern or central Oregon, then yeah, definitely it's a possibility. Uh, and there's been a lot of snow falling, uh, over that way these last couple of days. So when you look at, you know, the typical weather for Thanksgiving, especially here in the Northwest, if it's cool and a little breezy and some rain, I think everybody's happy. Um, you know, it, it's great if you're going to go out and play football outside with your friends and family, uh, Mm -hmm. just, you know, makes it feel great. But uh, you know, we had talked about on the show a couple times our different types of favorite uh, kinds of weather with winter, summer, and then just kind of generic. But Bonnie, we use a lot of instruments uh, and a lot of technology to, you know, analyze forecasts, look at the weather. So today I'm going to ask for your question of the day. What is your favorite weather instrument and why? Oh, you know, there's just so many cool weather instruments. So, okay, okay, I have two. Okay, my first one is going to be the dual pole radar because okay. I just think that, first of all, I just think radar is awesome, but I right. just really like that that gives you a clearer picture of what type of precip is falling. So, you know, I, I like that. But I also like my really old school weather instrument that I have in my room near my window, and it's my Galileo thermometer. Nice. And... I just think it's cool, it's pretty, it's, it's old school, really old school, and so I just really like that. Shout out to Jim Mayer, who handed that down to me. He was a professor at Rose State. He taught me all the calculus I know. Too bad I didn't retain any of it. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks to him, I have that and my calculus knowledge, so shout out to him. I was going to say, can you teach me some of the calculus? Because my brain fried right about that point, and I definitely don't remember any of it. Oh my gosh. You know what? If yeah, give me some time. Let me look through my book and my notes and I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you say that's old school, but if you look at those Galileo thermometers, there is a lot of technology built into it because you know, you're using the different weighted uh liquids to help determine you know, the buoyancy and that uh, in turn, you know, lifts the the marker quote unquote to determine what the temperature is. So exactly. why it might you know seem old school, there's still a lot of technology. Um, you're right about dual pole. I mean, that, that really has been a game changer. You know, of course, Doppler radar um, is out there and has been forever. But when they came along with dual pole and the ability to not just, you know, get that 
uh, two-dimensional view of what's happening in the atmosphere, but really enhance the 3D aspect and be able to tell you what type of, you know, matter is in the air either is you know is it rain is it snow is it hail is it debris and i think that really that aspect there um Mm -hmm. with the ability to look at a radar and say okay we know something is in the atmosphere that is not organic or that is not necessarily coming from the clouds i think that really was a game changer so yeah that's that's a really good choice. Um, we were joking before we started taping that, you know, you thought I would say the ghost satellites. I love the ghost satellites. I think they're fantastic. Um, talk about technology, uh, especially with, you know, 16 and 17 uh, now up there. And most of them, um, you know, are operational or very close to being operational. Uh, I think that really will be a game changer just in terms of the resolution of being able to see the satellite pictures. But I'm going to have to go with something a little bit new. I am really fascinated by the new sonic anemometers. Those things oh. those things are really, um, I think, are going to be kind of like the next wave for really important research, especially when you look at how easy they are to detect minute changes. Yeah. And I'm talking about, you know, winds less than a mile an hour. And you might think, oh, well, that doesn't matter. It really does in terms of, you know, whether like fog or rain or snow and the ability to measure that without having to worry about either cups having to turn or, you know, a vein having to turn and losing that energy. Yeah, you're still going to get a measurement, but you're not going to get maybe the true measurement. I think the sonic anemometers are really kind of the next game changer in terms of instrumentation for meteorology. Um, You know, so I'm going to say that right now. That's my favorite. Um, I've got a bunch of others. I love, you know, I, I joked about this this week. Um, I upgraded my handheld anemometer. So if you watch the movie Twister in that first opening scene where Bill comes back and uh-huh. the guy is, you know, standing on the front of his truck holding the handheld anemometer, I have that. Um, and wow. because of that movie, I went out and researched and found that. And a friend of mine sells uh, weather instruments and he happened to have one. And so I went and upgraded a previous model to that. And so uh, it's sitting in my room. I love it. But. Uh, anemometers have always been kind of my favorite. Um, I love the name. I love the yeah. way it sounds. Uh, so, you know, anemometers will probably be my, my favorite, but I think I really believe the new Sonic is, is kind of the new, the new standard. And, uh, I think it's really going to be kind of cool to see where that technology takes us. Right. And what kind of things we discover right. because of that more accurate wind measurements. So yeah. Okay. I support your decision. Yep. I'm, I'm behind that. I'm behind that <laughs> as a great instrument for sure. <laughs> Well, we talked about about you know the weather for Thanksgiving, but Bonnie, what does the forecast look like for Oklahoma going forward over the next couple of days? I think it's the same, you know, just a nice little breezy, all sunny. I think there's some rain chances coming up in the week a little bit, might cool down a bit, but really nothing interesting on the horizon. So hopefully that doesn't last long. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know, of course, nothing drastic. I don't want that, but I just mean you know. Let's get some rain in here or some cold or something. <laughs> something different than what we have currently. Yeah. Uh, out here in Oregon, it's it's been interesting. Um, uh, a lot of our forecast friends, a lot of my forecast friends, we are hardcore model riding right now because when it's this boring, we are grasping for anything. So every six hours, there's a mass email or a mass <laughs> post on Facebook. Think cold, think snow, blah, blah, blah. Well, we had an interesting feature pop up yesterday in the 12z run and then uh the 0z run last night of possibly a possible bigger windstorm coming into the pacific northwest um 
one forecast model had like a 970 millibar low come into Newport and then track just to the northwest through Portland, which is one of our classic setups for potentially strong valley winds. Um, it's still a ways out. I mean, it, I want to say this was like hour 140. So, mm. you know, the, the likelihood is, is pretty much slim to none at this point. But, you know, we'll watch it. And if it continues to be there, you know, in all of these model runs, then we'll go with it. But, um, you know, so we just kind of we're kind of doing that. Uh, another one of the models that they keep looking at uh, are the long term ensembles and like, OK, we got to get this cold to move here. You know, we need this high to retrograde to the west. And I'm just like, guys. The more we wish cast and the more we model ride, the more likely it is that it's not going to happen. Right. It's like a watched pot never boils. A watched model never produces anything interesting. So, right. I don't know. That's not a real saying, but it could be one. It, it very well could be. And, you know, we have one of those. It, it's a joke. And I feel bad because I have a lot of friends who are employees at the National Weather Service here in the Portland office. But every time they issue like a winter weather advisory a winter weather watch or a winter storm warning they're like oh it's the nws curse it's not going to happen and because of the topography of the northwest where you have a lot of people that live above say 500 feet or a thousand feet you might get Mm -hmm. these warnings that are posted for these areas and of course everybody that lives down in the valley is going to sit there and be like oh it's not true it's not true you know and so we have this nws curse that we deal with and so now we all just kind of wait for to see what the National Weather Service does. And we even have a forecaster or two in town that has basically made it known that he's going to go completely opposite just to cover his base. <laughs> hey, you know what? You do what you got to do because right. people are ruthless and they just, you know, they go after you. They do. And, you know, it's, it's weather and it's fun, but, you know, some people make it a serious business. And I just, I just sit there and I'm just like, man, you know, one of these days – Somebody's going to get the forecast completely right, and, you know, hopefully it will calm the talk down. I thought we'd have that maybe three years ago where uh, the Euro had forecasted, like, 18 inches of snow over the metro area. The National Weather Service played it way safe. and like, nah, we're going to go three to six, maybe nine on the higher end, but we don't think so. And once most of the area had hit nine inches within, like, the first hour and a half, they're like, "Um, okay, yeah, we're going to have to revise everything. So I guess See, and the Euro is the best with winter stuff. It is. I, I, I agree hands down. I really do. I think it's one of the it, – it handles everything a lot better, and it's mm-hmm. just one of those things where you're just like, okay, you know, you need to you need to watch it. You need to verify it. Uh, and I really do hope that someday soon that the GFS and the U.S.-based models can – you know, equal the computing power of the euro because I think to have two super strong, you know, modeling guidance would uh, would be beneficial for everybody involved. I agree. I agree because we definitely need, you know, better winter predicting skills over here because right. our, our climate is so crazy from north to south, east to west that it's just it's it's just a lot to deal with. Right, and when you're you know when your grid pattern in you know, a model resolution is 12 kilometers or, you know, sometimes higher than that. Um, that's not a whole lot of grid points and there's not a lot of, you know, data coming in that can, you know, kind of change that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that we have out here in the Northwest is the University of Washington has a high resolution model that has one and a half uh, kilometer grid. 
uh, for the Columbia Gorge. So when it's really windy and they're doing it in a partnership with some of the power producers. But to look at this really fine detail has been absolutely incredible. And I hope they keep it around. There's been some talk that they're going to, you know, drop it. But, man, to look at a forecast with that much detail that goes into it and that amount of computing power, it's really, really cool. Exactly. I so. agree. So we need to get on their level. Yeah, we do. We really do. And, you know, hopefully eventually it will happen. Um, I know it's going to take time. It's going to take money. But uh, we will definitely have to uh, make sure we stay on that. Bonnie, it's been another great episode of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.